0: I get a kick out of that video. It's pretty funny. But let me ask you a question. Is that guy right? We only need a small group of one? I mean, that that video pokes fun at that sort of mindset, and and we can laugh at some of the ridiculousness of it. But are there times that we kind of lean that way, start walking down that path? I was in a, a group a few years ago, and um, it was a great group. We really clicked with each other. Um, we, we got to know each other pretty well and, and became friends. And We studied the Bible together. We did a Bible study, and it was a great Bible study. We learned so much, uh, but there was something that was missing. This, this group was a great group. We, we dug deep into the Word, but we didn't really share what was going on in our lives. I know I, know I didn't. I didn't really offer you know, what was happening in, in my life. And, you know, we, we studied the Bible and dug deep, but didn't really apply it to my individual life. You know, we talked about big picture, how does everyone apply it, but we didn't apply it to ourselves. Now, this was a great group, and I learned a lot from it, but there was something missing. And I think there's this idea that we had that we could do our faith by ourselves. We could live out our faith on our own. If you're following along in the notes, there's this question I think we we have to answer, and it's this. Can we live out our faith by ourselves? Can we live out our faith by ourselves? I don't think we can. There's this idea in our culture that says our, our spirituality, our faith, is personal. It's private. It's me and God. But this is a lie. This is a lie that we tell ourselves, a lie that our culture tells us. I know we tend to think it's 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 for me, it's my faith, it's private, but there's more to it. There's more to it. Now, you might be saying, okay, is that really true? I mean, is there is there more to our faith? Is it, is it really just beyond me and God? Or, or maybe you're saying, oh, I've, I've tried this fellowship thing. I, I've been there, I've done the small group thing, and it doesn't work. All the messiness that comes with people, you know, interaction over a group, it, just, it doesn't work. There's too many, too many things that get, get icky in a group. Well, I hope as we journey together that we can discover that we're called to share life with one another and how it's meant to look. So this statement, this idea, this is what we're going to explore together. So if you're following along in the notes, we are meant to share life with one another. We are meant to share life with one another. This this is the idea that we're going to go pursue. We're going to explore this together. And we're in a series called Living Church. We're we're learning what it means to be a living church, how to live out church, and the fact that we are a living church. And today we're going to learn from the early church. The passage that we're going to open up is a pretty familiar one. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I invite you to open up your Bibles, turn to that that chapter. And if you don't have a Bible, there's these black pew Bibles in the seat racks in front of you. Go ahead and grab one of those, open it up. The page number is 759. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. Now, if you'd also grab out your message notes, we're going to read the first verse together from the first gray box. This is verse 42, so if you would, join together in reading this with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Great, thank you. Now, listen as we continue to read. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." We've been looking at the early church and looking at some of the practices that they did as as it means to be a living church. And they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. This this was part of who they were as a a church. This was part of their fabric. So, So what is fellowship? If we're going to be looking at fellowship today, exploring that, what is it? Well, the Greek word here is koinonia. Maybe you've heard this word before. It it essentially means common or holding in common. So you can hear our connections to to community, you know, fellowship, holding in common. It can also be translated uh, partnership or gift or contribution. And there you get a sense of of the the unitedness that that the group has. They're, They're expressing their commonness, their community. So. Essentially, what koinonia means is sharing life together. So if you're following along in the notes, koinonia means sharing life together. Now, that, that's a really cool concept, sharing life together. The early church, they, they devoted themselves to this. They devoted themselves to sharing life together. And this led them to share their possessions. They met in a temple court, so you know, big, picture gathering, and they also met in their homes, you know, small groups, and they ate together, and they enjoyed each other's company. They devoted themselves to sharing life together. Why? What about fellowship, what about sharing life together as something that they should devote themselves to? Why did they devote themselves to sharing life together? Well, I think it's because they learned this idea that they share in the life of Christ. They share in the life of Christ. They, they learned this concept, and it led them to, to be devoted to fellowship. It's because that they share in the life of Christ that they devoted themselves to this. And, and the great thing is, we also share in the life of Christ. We share in the life of Christ as well. So if you're following along in the notes, We share in the life of Christ. Earlier in chapter 2, we get a picture of Peter. He's preaching to this large crowd in Jerusalem. And and the gospel is going out, and people are hearing it, and they're cut to the heart. And they say, what should we do? Peter says, be baptized, repent, turn to the Lord. And then they devoted themselves to the fellowship. You you see, the, the gospel the gospel message went out they heard this and they devoted themselves to fellowship within the gospel is this idea that we share in the life of Christ you know from the beginning you know humanity has has rejected god we we've turned away from him we we've pushed him out the door and we said we don't need you we don't want you on the throne of our lives we want to run our own lives we want to do it our own way and we we create a mess we, we damage things, we, we make a mess of things, and, and we damage the relationship that we have with Him. You know we, we screw things up, but God isn't content to let us go our own way. You know He could say, you know what, fine, I'm done with you. I'll let you go be a mess. No, God says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way to fix this, to repair the damage, to restore this relationship. I'm going to send my son. And you're going to have fellowship with him. That's that's the message of the gospel. So so Jesus comes and he he restores the relationship we have with the Father, with him. If you pull out your message notes, in the second gray box is 1 John 1, verse 3. And and here John is, is talking about the word that's appearing, that, that Jesus Christ has come and the gospel has come out and they've preached it and here's what happened. So if you would, everyone to join together and read verse 3 in that second gray box. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and also with our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ because he came and died. This is the message of the gospel. Think of it this way. Imagine you're in a battlefield. Bombs are going off everywhere. You're in the trench. You're in the thick of it, and you can't get out. You're stuck, and all hope seems lost. What are you going to do? And then a fellow soldier shows up, comes and says, come with me, we're going to go out together. And he rescues you. What kind of bond would you have with that person? That bond that happens in a moment like that, it's beyond any sort of friendship, any sort of acquaintance relationship, even maybe beyond you know, a brother or sister type relationship. That's the bond that's formed in, in something like that. Jesus rescued us. He repaired the damaged relationship that we had with God. He rescued us. This is the type of bond that we have with him. This is the gospel. How cool is that? Now, we could could stop there and really enjoy that moment and say, oh wow, what what a cool bond we have with Jesus. But there's more. It doesn't just stop with the fact that Jesus rescues us, but he gives us something. In that fellowship, in that relationship, Jesus shares his very life with us. He shares his righteousness. He shares his very life. So if you're following along in the notes, because of this fellowship we have, Jesus gives his righteousness and life. He gives us his righteousness and life. This, this fellowship that we have now with Jesus is one in which we receive His benefits. We have a great bond with him, and, and he rescued us from our mess. But he also gives us something. He gives us his righteousness. He gives us his life. Think, think about it this way. You know, two people, they, they come together, they get married. And they start to share life together. They they live together, they go on vacation, they have kids, and, and they share moments together. And they also share their bank accounts. I, I know not everybody does this, you know, out there, but a good marriage, you, you see people sharing everything, including their bank accounts. Imagine what that's like. We we say we have a really big debt, something that we can't pay, and someone comes along, we're married to them and They have incredible riches, you know, immeasurable amounts of money, and they pay for our debt and and have more to spare. This is what it's like, friends. Christ gives us his righteousness, his his life. It's like his bank account. He gives us what he has, and he pays our debt, and he gives us his benefits. We have Jesus' bank account. Friends, the gospel is is Christ coming down and rescuing us and giving us his benefit. This is the the sharing in the life of Christ that we have. I mean, does that not want you just to pause and and worship him? I mean, we we should bring out the choir again and just sing like, oh man, this this is the gospel. How beautiful is that? This, This is the fellowship that we have with Christ. The early church, they learned this. They got it. They connected the dots about this. So we share in the life of Christ. We get his benefits. This this is the gospel. What, what does that mean for our daily lives? I mean, how, does, how does that apply now? Right here? What what does that mean? Well, well, here it is, and, and this is the big idea. This, this, is, this is where it all comes together. So if you're following along in the notes, because we share in the life of Christ, we are to share life with one another. Because we share in the life of Christ, we're to share life with one another. When I was a kid, I loved to play with Legos. They were my favorite toy by far. I, I went out and bought Legos anytime I could. I would save my money, I would, I would get as many Legos as I could. And I, I love that Legos are still out there. I've got to be honest, it makes me feel like a kid still. I love it, it's good. But Legos, like I love to play with them. And, and what I'd do is I'd get all the toys that I had put together, I'd, and I'd start bringing them around me, and I'd grab all the pieces that didn't go anywhere, and I'd start to tear things apart and put them back together. and Suddenly I'd find myself surrounded by my Legos. I'd, just, I'd have them all around me. They'd be you know, surrounding me. and I'd almost have a fort of Legos. Now, it would have been a good idea if I actually had built a fort. Then it would have made sense. But I had these Legos, and they, they almost surrounded me and fortified me. And, I, and I, think, I think this is the way human beings naturally are. We, we surround ourselves. We fortify ourselves with our Legos. But I think the gospel wants us to do the opposite. Instead of bringing all the Legos around us and, you know, surrounding ourselves and building up our, our fort, I think we're meant to, to spread them out, to open them up, to, to let other people in. See, if I'm surrounded by all my Legos, there's a barrier, and no one else can really play with me. But if I, if I open them up, if I spread them out and let other people in, then, then something different is happening there. I, I think... This is what the gospel is calling us to do. And I think the early church understood it. If, if you look with me on the screen here, we've got John chapter 15. And, and Jesus is, is sharing you know, a, a beautiful chapter. He's, he's sharing with his disciples. And you know, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, and, and, and I'll remain in you. And how you remain in me is if you keep my commandments. And then then he says this in verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, see God, God is calling us to lay down our lives for our friends, to love each other, to open up and share our lives. This, this is the gospel. This is what the early church understood. See, see Jesus did this. He, he shared his life. He opened it up, and he gave us his benefits. That's the beauty of the gospel. And I, I think the early church learned, because of this, we're to do the same thing. We're to do likewise. We're to share our lives with one another. You know, Maybe there's this idea that we think we should be private with our faith, you know, do it on our own, be, be here. But I think as we get to know Jesus, and as we get to know who he is and what he's done, we realize that there's an openness. There's a sharing that he has for us. And we're called to do the same. How do we do that? How do we live out this sharing life together? What what does it look like? Turn with me into Acts chapter 4. Just turn the page. And look with me at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. And we're going to pause when we get to verse 33b, and we're going to read that together in the gray box. So when we get to that, we'll we'll join together and, and, and read that. But first, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now if you would join together. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all there were no needy persons among them. Thank you. From time to time, Those who had possessions owned land or houses, sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. And then then they talk about an example here with, with Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You see, they, they saw their fellowship with Christ as, as affecting how they lived their lives. They had fellowship with one another, and they shared their lives. And, and this is a beautiful picture of, of the mindset that they had. They would even share their possessions. Whoa. I, do you hear that? They, they sold their possessions. This guy Joseph, he, he sold his land. He gave up what he had, and, and he gave it to those who had need. This, this is the mindset that they had. They would, they would see each other's needs and they would meet them. And I, th- I think this is the takeaway. This is the, the principle that they're, they're demonstrating for us. We're to, we're to meet needs. So how we apply this, I, I think this is, this, is, this is our takeaway. This is what we're called to walk away with. We're to join in community to grow together by meeting needs. So if you're following along in notes, we're going to piece this apart. We're to share life together by meeting each other's needs. We are to share life together by meeting each other's needs. See, the early church, they saw this playing out, and they'd sell their possessions, and we're called to to share our lives in the same way. Now, maybe we're called to, to sell our possessions, but I think the principle goes beyond that. It goes into other things. If you flip over your message notes, you'll see a list here of, of different ideas, different suggestions of the ways we can live this out to express this, this sharing life together. You know, for example, inviting other people over for dinner, you know, sharing a meal together, sharing your stories. Or maybe number three, you know, coming together to help someone with a house project. Maybe they've got something that's, you know overwhelming for them to do and they need some help. This is a a great way. Now some of these are are more basic or more general and some of these are, are more specific and maybe a little more difficult. Like number four, ask and listen. Ask someone, how is it with your soul? How are you doing with the Lord? And really listen to them. Or maybe someone's in the hospital or they've suffered a terrible loss. Maybe the call is to come to sit with them in their grief. You know, don't, don't say anything. Just come and be there with them. To share with them in their grief. Or maybe even going to the extent of holding someone accountable and being held accountable with sin struggles and, and stuff like that. This, this is the type of sharing that we see. Now, you can probably come up with you know, even more things to do that expresses this. Now, I think it's it's noteworthy to point out that, you know, people can do this, but not really experience true koinonia, not really share life together. They can go do these things, but not really share with someone. I think what helps us to understand it, or, or what drives us, or what pushes us forward, is the idea that we're meant to grow together. We're meant to grow in our faith with one another. We're meant to grow in Christ, with one another. So that's going to affect how we do these things. You know, fellowship time, punching cookies, those are great, but it's not just about punching cookies. It's about the conversations. What's the Lord teaching you right now? Can I pray with you right now? Then punching cookies becomes fellowship. So the idea is we're called to grow together. Together. So, if you're following along in the notes, we're called to join a community to grow together. Join a community to grow together. We're, we're, we're called to be in a group where we can minister to one another's needs and grow together. Now, where, where do we do that? What, what group is this? What community is this? Well, at Cherry Hills, we, we've developed a ministry called Life Groups. This is our small group ministry where, where we want everyone to get together to love one another. This, this is what we're, we're called to do as a church. We're called to, to minister in this way. Now, you know, maybe, maybe for you, it's to join a life group. If you've been thinking about that or you've heard about that, you're like, oh, what's that about? I encourage you, join a life group. This can be the community for you. Now, even as I say that, if everyone were to say, okay, I'll join a life group. We don't have enough spots yet. You know, we've got we've got a good number of groups and, and we're growing and we've got spots available, but not for everyone. And and here, I'll ask for your patience as a church. Like, we're growing, we're getting there, we're working on this, and our hope is that down the road, everyone will be able to be in a life group. But we're not quite there yet. So maybe your community is with your small group uh, that you meet with regularly, a Bible study. Maybe it's your Sunday school class. Or maybe it's your first step class. You've recently shown up to Cherry Hills and done the first step. Maybe that's your group of people that you can start doing community with. Maybe it's your neighbors, people that you live on the street with. Or maybe it's the people sitting next to you in the chairs. You've never met them before, but hey, let's go out to lunch together. This This is the time where we can participate in what the Spirit's already doing in our communities, in these small groups that are already around us. So seek out different ways to join a community, one that's already put together, or maybe you you can participate and create a new one. Now maybe you're already in one. You're in a life group. You're, You're doing life together, you're sharing life together. That's awesome. That's great. Keep going. Keep growing deeper and deeper in your walk with the Lord. Figure out some new ways. Maybe you, maybe you aren't doing some of these things on the list. Maybe you, you know, start doing those together. Or maybe you are and, and you can bring some new people in. Good job. You're, you're on your way. Keep growing. Maybe that's the call for you. Now I want to pause here and, and say one thing. You know, Life groups, is that's our ministry. That's the, way, you know, the method we've decided to, to pour into this community. And there's a number of you that are in those communities, and you love it. And it's a great fit for you, and you're learning and growing deep. But maybe God's asking you to step out so that you can help build a community for those who don't have it. Maybe you're in a life group, and you've been there for a while, and you've grown deep with these people. Maybe the Lord's asking you to, to step out, make a choice for the kingdom, and help build community for those who don't have it yet. Now, that's, that's not the case for everyone. And, you know, maybe God, you think God's asking you to do that, but he's not actually, you know, going to f- run through it all the way. You know, I don't know what God's going to do. But if, if that's maybe something he's asking, pray about that. Pray about that. Lord, are, are you directing me to do this? And then come talk to me, and we'd love to see if that could be a good fit. It doesn't mean you're going to have a group. It doesn't mean you're going to lead one. But if the Lord's asking you, I'd like you to at least consider it and to pray about it. Now, I can, I can talk about all these different ways that you know, we have these opportunities to share community with one another, you know, the different avenues and, and the different things we can do, until I'm blue in the face. But there's a couple that have been doing this for a while at Cherry Hills. They've been a part of communities, and, and they've had some great experiences. And I've invited them to come up. So it's Mike and Carol Diedrichsen, and they're going to share some of the things that they've experienced in their life in this church, in the small communities like this. And then they're currently leading a life group and that's primarily what they're drawing from. But I'd I'd love for them to share a few of their experiences.
1: Thank you, Brian. Um, Good morning. Uh, We are Mike and Carol Diedrichs. And for those of you who are wondering what sharing life together looks like for us, um, we started out by inviting people with whom we were already sharing life with as a core of our life group. The weekly meeting gave us an opportunity to be more intentional, focused um, conversations on what God is doing in our lives. We were happily surprised when a bunch of 20-somethings joined our group. Um, So we have a mixed bag of people at different stages of life who like each other and are fun to be with. They're single, married, divorced, widowed, working, retired, guys, gals, outgoing, and shy. We invited some new members um, with some of the old members for dinner before the rest of the group came over on Wednesday nights, and we left enough food on the stove that those who didn't have time for dinner to have some as they joined us. Um, we We know each other pretty well now, but sharing meals or good snacks is still a routine. We care for each other in practical ways, Um, providing meals, giving rides, or texting to encourage each other. These are the people who, when you're sick and they ask if they can do anything for you, you take them up on it and you return the favor. They're not the best buddies with everyone, but each is certainly connecting with others in the group. How about learning together? We have uh, uh, a real mix of personalities in our group. But over time, even the quieter people are continuing, uh, contributing more um, routinely. Carol insists that part of the reason for this is because I facilitate the discussion, something that comes easier for her than to me. Um, It's been good for me and the group. Our life group is message-based, so we go over the questions about the sermon each week. Sometimes we go through each of the verses connected to questions and sometimes we pose additional questions. Um, when someone's been out of town um, that hasn't heard the Sunday message, we're still glad that they're with us and we draw them into the discussions. Um, we're learning how to practice praying with and for each other, both while we're gathered and when we're apart. We don't want our group meetings to fall into being just a nice week uh, midweek activity. We're also learning to serve together in contact ministries and the Salvation Army.
2: About a year ago, I asked our group, "Why do we bother to do this on Wednesdays? Don't we have something better to do with our time?" And one of the gals said, "We do it because we love him, Jesus." And this is true. We are grateful for the fellowship, study, and prayer, and there's not one know-it-all in the bunch. <laughs> Folks are humbly learning to follow Jesus, and are willing to share their thoughts with each other. Preparing for Wednesdays is really good for us as a couple because we wanna take on our pastor's challenges and apply it to our lives. And talking through the study questions on Wednesdays extends the reach of Sunday morning messages. And we know that our group members are committed to growing as Christ as well. What growth do we see? Well, we see old dogs learning new tricks, like serving in new ways, memorizing scripture, praying aloud in the group, and the younger members inspiring us with their faith and transparency and (coughs) behind the scenes leadership. We love to see the friendships being forged, checking in with others through the week. They take ownership of one another's problems and prayer requests and people confiding in one another. Finally, when Mike and I began, we really invited those who were already friends, and this life group has given us a way to more intentionally raise the bar in terms of a focus on God's kingdom with them, and it opened the door for friendships with others with whom we might not really have had an acquaintance. We hope that you will take the opportunity, when available, to participate in a group if you're not already doing so and we are so thankful that you let us share about our experience.
0: Let me thank them. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. There's some cool stuff there. I mean they they've seen it and they're doing it. And the Lord is at work, which is really, really cool. So the call for us is is to join a community to grow together by meeting needs. See the needs of one another and meet them in a group setting, so that we can all grow. It's, it's really cool how this works. And I think when we start to do this, we see some really cool things happening. It, it strikes me that Cherry Hills, we're pretty good at this. We're doing it. We've got our life group ministries. We've got groups of people meeting on Sunday morning and elsewhere. Other times of the week, we're starting to do this. Cherry Hills, we're, we're doing it. This is awesome. Let's keep growing. And I think the reason why can be seen in, in Acts chapter 2, the, the last verse of our passage. And you can see this up here on the screen. You know, what happens when, when they devoted themselves to the fellowship and, and they're seeing the Spirit at work? We get this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Imagine a fellowship that people look in and see and say, Oh, what's going on there? I, I want to know what that's about. And they can see Jesus. They can see the gospel lived out in our fellowship. The Lord added to their number daily. That's incredible. That's the power of the gospel. And I want to point out something. The Lord added to their number. They didn't add to their number. He did. He's the one who's at work. He's the one that makes our fellowship effective for us and for others. There's this unmistakable outwardness that happens in our fellowship that when we share life together, the Lord is working in this way. So if you're following along in the notes, only the Spirit can create true koinonia. Only the Spirit can create true koinonia. He's the only one that can do it. He's the one that makes it happen. You ever seen one of these before? It's a tuning fork. There's going to be a picture up on the screen too. A tuning fork. You ever seen one of these? They're meant to bring a choir, a group of people, together on the same pitch. You know, someone will ding it and you'll hear the pitch, and that's what you're aligning yourself to. Now, imagine if people were pitching off of each other, you know, this person and this person. The person on this corner and that corner are going to be singing totally different pitches. Because it's going to change just a little bit each time. And they're going to be out of sync, out of harmony, out of pitch. But when you get one of these guys, you all have the same pitch. You're all tuned to the same thing. Friends, we're called to do that too. We're called to allow the Spirit to be our tuning fork for our fellowship. He's the one who's at work. He's the one that's going to make it happen. And when we tune ourselves to Him, great things are going to happen. Because we share in the life of Christ, we're to share life with one another. Imagine what kind of place we'd be if we were doing this. Cherry Hills, we're on our way. We're doing well. Let's keep growing. But remember, it's it's only the Spirit who does the work. He's the one that's making it happen. We're going to close by singing a song. And I want this song to be a prayer. It, It prays that the Spirit would come upon us afresh, anew, and he would build our community, he would bind us together. So as we sing, I ask that you make it a prayer. Make it a prayer for our community, the little communities that we're gonna participate in. Let's join together in prayer. I invite the members of the prayer team to come forward. If you'd like to pray with someone, there's gonna be a group of people up front and willing to pray with you about anything, You know, any requests or praises that you have. That song is as much a prayer as it is a promise. The Spirit is with us. He promises to be with us and to build community, to unite us together to help us to grow. Cherry Hills, we're doing well. Let's keep growing. Let's look for the Spirit and follow his leading. Go in peace.